All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. Today's episode is going to be brought to you by Mystery Ranch, built for the mission. And if you guys don't know who Mystery Ranch is, well, you guys have uh, either just started fire or have been living under a rock. They are most well known for their fire packs. They are some of the most overbuilt, best built, highest quality, and most comfortable fire packs out there, like the Hotshot, for instance. That thing kicks ass. I've rocked one for many a years. But they're also most well known for their entire other lines lines, but that's plural of load bearing equipment. Like for instance, if you guys want to go take down a bull elk and pack it out, well, they've got a solution for you. Backpack across Europe. They got a solution, hunting, fishing, skiing, backpacking. They even have EDC stuff. If you guys are really into that. And, uh, they also make briefcases. So if you guys need a hotel bag or a laptop bag, go over to www.mysteryranch.com and check them out. These guys are also pioneering the backbone series and basically what it's going to do is highlight some stories in the field and kind of give us the background story of the backbone of our firefighting community which is the seasonal employee there's going to be perms involved in that as well but hey we're going to see a bunch of stories and different perspectives from all sorts of people in the field also they're giving back to the community by starting the 1039 scholarship program here pretty soon so if you guys uh, are a seasonal employee or you guys want to just go back to school well and you're well, and you're in the wildland firefighting realm, of course. Go ahead and check them out because they're going to be giving away some uh, scholarships for you guys to go back to school. Pretty awesome. So once again, head over to www.mysteryranch.com and check them out. And another sponsor of the Anchor Point Podcast is going to be our premier coffee sponsor. Who is that? You might ask. Well, it is none other than Hotshot Brewery. What is it? You might ask. Well, it is kick-ass coffee for a kick-ass cause. A portion of the proceeds will always go back to the Wildland Firefighter Foundation. What is it that they do? Well, besides making kick-ass coffee, like the sawdust blend or the Spotfire blend or the initial attack blend, super good stuff. They also have a full line of Wildland Firefighter themed apparel. So get yourself some apparel and while you're at it, If you guys need some of those tools of the trade to get your morning started right, especially if you're out in the field, definitely check them out because they have all the tools of the trade. They have aero presses, pour over systems, grinders. They even have little storage containers that you can keep your stuff together with. It is pretty awesome. So if you guys are interested, definitely head over to www.hotshotbrewing.com and check them out. Also, they support the Anchor Point podcast by slinging our merch. So if you guys are in the market for a Band of Brothers tee, a Band of Brothers sticker, or our newest and latest and greatest t-shirt design, well, that's going to be the Fire Fiend one. Definitely head over to www.hotshotbrewing.com and check them out. And last but not least, the Anchor Point Podcast is brought to you by the Smoky Generation, aka the American Wildfire Experience. And what is that? Well, it is a digital collection of stories about wildland firefighting dating all the way back to the 1940s. It is pretty damn cool. There's a collection of over 100 of these stories. So if you guys are uh, looking for a little bit of a history lesson or uh, some different points of view from different folks in different regions, definitely check it out. And you can find it over at www.wildfireexperience.org. What else are they doing? Well, they're giving back to the community. They have actually uh, 
paired up with Mystery Ranch and Water Axe Pumps to help facilitate some $500 grants for you folks in the field. So if you happen to be a writer, a photographer, a blogger, a videographer, anybody who tells the story of wildland firefighting here in North America, definitely give it a shot. And check this out. These grants are open now. You have until May 20th, 2020 to get your apps in. There's a limited number. I believe there's 12 $500 grants going out there for you guys who are help telling the story of wildland firefighting here in North America. So once again, go over to www.wildfireexperience.org and check it out. And best of luck to you guys. Bethany, you have a kick-ass organization over there and I definitely appreciate what you're doing for the community and the community definitely appreciates it too. So thank you. and opinions of this podcast do not reflect the views and opinions of the United States government, the Department of the Interior, the Department of Defense, the Department of Agriculture, the United States Forest Service, the Bureau of Land Management, National Park Service, the Bureau of Indian Affairs, or any private, municipal, county, or state firefighting organization, any law enforcement agency, any medical provider, or any contractor employed by any federal agency. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. Welcome back to another episode of the Anchor Point Podcast. Hope everybody's doing well. So today we have another overhead on the show. Yeah, he's going to be an AFMO out of Region 8. So it's a little bit of the same. We're going to talk about his journey through his fire career, but also it's going to be wildly different at the same time. Reason being is because he is out of Region 8. A lot of us don't know about Region 8. Where is that, you ask? Well, it's the entire region. South. Yeah, Texas, Oklahoma, I think Virginia's in there too, Florida, Mississippi, Alabama, all those states down there that offer a unique firefighting experience. So we're going to talk about hiring. We're going to talk about prescribed fire and the amount of prescribed fire they do. We're going to talk about how they have very fire adapted communities and they're used to seeing smoke in the air, which is pretty damn cool. And we're going to talk about his journey from temp seasonal all the way to where he's at now, which is an AFMO. So ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, I'd like to introduce my personal friend and former Ely hood rat, Brandon Saltmeyer. Welcome to the anchor point. Just go for it. Uh, Free form. Go. F- yeah, go for it. All right. Let's get, <laughs> <That's amazing. laughs> let's get into it, man. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Anchor Point Podcast. Today on the show, I've got Brandon Saltemeyer, longtime friend and former Ely Hood Rat. What's going on, dude? How you doing? Not much, man. Just trying to stay dry down here in the wet south. Yeah, how's the uh, how's the south? This is, this is cool because you're not only another overhead on the show, but you're from the south, and that's something that we don't really think about when we're talking about fire, right? The south, we just go there to burn. That's that's all people know, at least on the West Coast. That's that's all we know. Yeah, seriously, you that's what I mean, even when I was out West working out West before I came back down, it was, yeah, yeah, I want to go down to the South to uh, stay down there for winter work. Yeah, yeah. Overtime burning. Great. Let's go. Uh, Got down here. And uh, yeah, dude, there's, you know, we're 
my my district we're running about 60 plus IAs a year which is not a lot but it's a pretty decent amount for what we're doing here when we end up turning like a five ten acre fire into you know a couple hundred acres just going road to road burning it calling it good see that's a cool stuff though you guys use a lot of fire down there so you get a lot of experience burning man oh yeah no that's everything we do is burn uh there's no it's either burn or a direct sack with a dozer I think the first fire I got done down here, I was I grabbed one of the engine guys and I'm like, all right, come on, let's roll, do a pump and roll. And they started laughing at me. And as the uh, as our John Deere started plowing in and took care of it in like three seconds, it's done, over, done. Yeah, <laughs> it's over. I was like, oh yeah, that's right. I'm in the south again. Dozers everywhere. Oh yeah, that and uh, God, there's so much different about the south, but we'll get into that, man. So, so tell us who you work for. Tell us what you do. Tell us your history, man. What is what is going on? All right. Well, as you said, I'm down in the south um, and currently in Louisiana on the Kasachi National Forest, um, the Calcasieu Ranger District. Yeah. Try to spell that. You're from, coming from Nevada. I didn't even hear yeah, what you exactly. said. <laughs> exactly. So uh, history, uh, been in fire my whole life, literally. Um, as I told you before, my first memory is my granddad giving me a pair of Wrangler blue jeans and a bucket of water and saying, telling me, keep the fire up these posts as we burn the field off on one of the ranches in Texas. So going from there, you know, got to New Mexico playing football from Eastern New Mexico, got hurt playing, couldn't do it anymore. So my buddy's dad was like, Hey, you want a red card? Cause I was already in the volunteer department there. I was like, what the fuck is that? So told me what it was and said, you can make money doing brush fire while in fire. And I was like, yeah, sign me up. Freaking got on there. And it's been it's, ever since then. It's just been on. Ended up taking multiple multiple semesters off and coming back, going out, going back, going to California, coming back, going to Montana, coming back. Dude, uh, it sucks until, you in though. That's the thing. Is like fire. It just oh, dude. takes a hold of you. It's, yeah, it sucks you in. It's literally a bug. It gets a hold of you. You're done once you get that. Um, yeah, kept doing the seasonal life for a good while. Um, got on with. I thought it'd be cool to be on when Texas finally started hiring a bunch of people because I'm from Central Texas originally. Uh, jumped on one of the crews down there, stayed there for about a year and a half, found out the state is not somewhere I wanted to work for, and uh, went straight back to North Cal, North Cal for uh, NOD and BLM okay. out of Eagle Lake. Nice, yeah. Uh, up there in Susanville. Yeah, up in Susanville, yep. Nice. Uh, Freaking uh, Diamond Ed ended up giving me a, called me up and was like, hey, I'll give you a seasonal six if you come be an operator on one of the engines. We're short operators. And I was like, fuck yeah, seasonal six? I'm on it. That sounds legit. <laughs> That was awesome. <laughs> like I make more, make more money then as I do a nine now. <laughs> <laughs> nice, man. So where'd you go from uh, diamond? Uh, when'd you go after that? Uh, was never on diamond. So I went, oh, went not to, diamond, I was yeah. actually, in Ra- yeah, I was all in Ravendale. Uh, but yeah, went from there. Actually, I took the next season off uh, right before I got married. My wife kind of was over. <laughs> My girlfriend at the time was over the gone for five, six months and then coming home and being there and gone again for, you know, ever. So I was like, all right, yeah, cool. I'll try something else. Tried some oil field stuff, ended up working for a road construction company in central Texas out of Austin. Uh, was good for about a year or so until I got told that they, uh, I had maxed out their pay scale. And <laughs> that next day I was on USA jobs <laughs> <laughs> back to fire. Back to fire. And my wife was like, yeah, you're so much happier when you're cutting trees down and burning shit all the time. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, I put in uh, Ely uh, for Ely and Pony Springs, and they were the first ones to call me back. And I was like, fuck, yeah, I'll go. Nice. I'd been there the previous two years before in Caliani on a on a uh, pre-po. So I was like, yeah, I kind of know the place. It's hot as shit, but 
Okay, cool. Dude, yeah, Caliente not? does not live down its name whatsoever. No, God almighty, oh. no. Oh, man. 117? <laughs> not yeah. uncommon. That place is unreal. That is, it seriously is hot down there. God. In the middle of that freaking valley, too. Yeah, dude, it's it was cool. I mean, I lived there during my season over there with uh, the Hell Attack crew over there, and uh, yeah, oh, yeah, it was great, man. I loved it. <laughs> it's a cool place. It's actually, I mean, it's in the middle oh, of really cool. BFE, but dude, yeah. there is so much cool shit that you can do around these little rural places, man. I think that's like the most undersold thing is these rural oh, yeah. areas, like Cali. There's so many cool trails and shit, and uh, what is it, the Griffin? Not Griffin. Whatever wilderness was right there outside of Pawnee. Um, oh, I can't remember. Shit, I can't think. Of- I can't think of right now. I think it starts with G. Grafton. 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 Yeah, Grafton. Wilderness. Oh my God. That place was amazing for shed hunting because nobody wants to hike their ass all the way up in there. Nope. You would freaking find monster sheds up in that stuff. A couple of times we found multiple pairs just right next to each other. Oh, what was it? One of my buddies, he found a deadhead up there. Uh, not too, what was that? During the season when I was over there, what was that? 2017 or something like that. He found okay. a full deadhead, full elk deadhead, yeah. which was cool. <sighs> Yeah, that's what we did on the uh, strawberry fire. Uh, and what was that, in 18, 17? Yeah, we found 18? up on the top because I think it was 18. Yeah, we found up on, we were up on the top near the coast, uh, coast of the summit. And all of a sudden, yeah, freaking giant deadhead because nobody goes up there. Nobody hikes around in that off the beaten path up in that stuff like we were doing. Oh, yeah. There were so many sheds, sheds brought off that fire. It was pretty cool. Oh, yeah, man. Yeah, dude. It's, <laughs> I mean, it's a cool place. Sheds found and, uh, and left. Yes, because you know. They have to, I mean, if you're on the national park, at least you have to stay yeah, there, of course, but yeah, stay there. <laughs> they had to stay there, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, man, it's, it's cool, man. I think that's one of the most undersold places, uh, just rural areas in general, rural duty stations in general. I think they're undersold, man. And there's a lot of value to going out there and just kind of being out in the middle of nowhere with no one around. It's fun. Oh yeah. Very fun. I mean, Pony Springs, your closest town is Pioch. The yep. biggest thing in Pioch is uh Tilly's on the wall. It's got everything from Vaseline to gasoline is their slogan there. And they <laughs> literally had everything. It was the gas station, bait shop, grocery store, swans, man, stop. All of it was right there. Mm-hmm. If the- you didn't need, if you couldn't find it at Tilly's, you really didn't need it. It was all the people too. They stopped by there too. Uh, was that Eagle Lake out there? You going east? Yes. Yeah, yeah. dude. That was, I've caught some pretty good trout out of that that little lake out there, man. That's a nice, nice lake out there. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Anyways, man. That and get up to Ely, all the uh, Cave Lake. That's another yeah, good one. Yeah, dude. The trail going around Cave Lake. Yes. <laughs> Loved running that. Yes. That was always my. Uh, every time we got up there, stationed up on that side, that was took the guys out to go run that for sure. Yeah, dude. It's beautiful country up there. But anyways, man. Yeah. Enough about Ely and uh, shout out to our mutual <laughs> homie Bronson. Yeah. yeah. Bronson, my old little buddy, Joe. <laughs> so, he's a hell of a captain, man. He's a good dude. I'm hell so glad he got back too. over there to y'all. Uh, it's, uh, I was just happy as hell when he told me that he was back moving back that way. Yeah. I know man. he wanted to be over there. No, he's a hell of a mentor and shit. We started fire almost same year i want to say and yeah if things came full circle we ended up back at the both of us ended up back at the very same station that we started at doing the exact same thing dude it's funny we just kind of went our separate ways (laughs) then just boom he's the captain i was the uh the operator it was it was fun times man it is crazy how that happens though it comes full circle a lot oh yeah for sure it does but uh yeah after ely 
Yeah, dude, seriously, it is. We'll get in that scripture. <laughs> uh, yeah, after Ely, um, we actually had it. My, my wife and I had a son. So I was working up there during the weeks, coming home on the weekends. We were living in Vegas. She was a teacher there in Vegas. So we were doing that type of life. And we got pregnant. And well, she got pregnant. And I was like, well, I better get a job that's closer to her and my soon to be kid. So ended up taking a position down on the home HT, on the SMNRA there outside of Vegas and got on a heavy engine there. Stayed there for a couple of years, um, played around. It was a good time. My first introduction to forest service, never worked. I've been DOI my entire career until then. Found out it's a whole nother world, even though we do the exact same thing. Oh yeah. For some reason. Uh, and our money doesn't play with y'all's money. Found that out. Yeah, it's weird, right? It's like a little bit of disconnect. Yeah, I, think, I think it's a different color or something. <laughs> it must be, right? <laughs> Yellow money versus green money. <laughs> exactly. I mean, we still uh, work together yeah. pretty well, but I mean, uh, it's just it's just different, man. It's it's really oh yeah. It's really just the same organization polished a different way. That's all it is. Yes. No, it is. It is. It's like BLM. We were kind of left more on our own to do what we wanted to do more. So a little more freedom, mm-hmm. um, get to the forest service. They have policy for everything. Oh yeah. But you know, it's not a bad, it's not a bad thing because you can, you know, throw it out there and be like, yeah, we can't do this. Okay. <laughs> Deal. <laughs> for sure, right. There it is. Exactly. Uh, but yeah, after left Vegas and well, I took a detail down here, a buddy of mine, Eric Stewart was the AFMO down here. So I took a detail, took a detail, come down here to check it out. Little did I know it was like an actual recruiting trip. Um, got down here and him and uh, Russ Marchand sat me down in the office. We're like, here's our program. Here's what we can do down here. I'm like, oh, it was oh, more cool. of a sales pitch. <laughs> yeah. Got down here for my two weeks. And I think I ended up burning like 10,000 acres. Oh, uh, that's awesome. Yeah. Pretty freaking a lot of fun. Um, 10,000 acres, multiple fire IAs from, you know, arsonists burning turkey habitat, wanting to get good turkey spots coming. And, uh, yeah, ended up doing the rest of that season in, in Vegas and then applied down here and yeah, been here for now for two years or so. Boom. There you go. Straight from, uh, the forest service all the way to, uh, AFMO now. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of crazy. My old, uh, soup used to laugh at me and said, be careful what you wish for. And holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's different though, man. Being overhead is it, what was that experience like for you, man? Was it pretty eye opening? Like now it all starts making sense. Cause us are uh, operational dudes like captain and below. They typically just like, ah, freaking overhead, you know, all, all oh, yeah, day. No. I, I totally see why certain AFMOs and FMOs I worked with, you know, you never saw them or it would be, they'd be a short with you or, you know, kind of that small answer mostly because either they didn't really know or they had already been told no. And we didn't really want to mess with anyone. Yeah. Then you guys got to be busy so, too, man. I mean. You guys oh, yeah. gotta have so much crap. You got to really be efficient with your time. Dude, it's, it's not just that it's, uh, it's dealing with budget now dealing with, uh, yeah. Budget people, staffing, moving people around. What, who's going to work what weekend? Can they work that weekend? Because they work last weekend, you know, schmoozing the district ranger. Hey, we need people staffed this weekend. We've got an influx of people on the forest, maybe some fires. Just, you know, it's, it's a lot of ego stroking and, uh, just moving people around. Yeah. The human management part, man. That's what, uh, speaking of Joe, that's one valuable lesson that he taught me was, uh, you know what, dude, you put the wet stuff on the hot stuff and that's the easiest part of your job. Fighting fire is the easiest part, but the human management, like managing people that is either going to make you or break you. Oh yeah. No, it will. Um, 
my first my first year here as AFMO, uh, I learned a lot. I mean, it was it took me from you know thinking I knew how to work with people and how to manage, you know, from the module down to doing what I'm doing now with multiple modules, multiple dozers. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a whole different game. Plus you learn, uh, learn a lot about uh, human resource stuff real quick. <laughs> you don't have a choice, but to man, no, no, seriously. Yeah. yeah. Especially when you got like employee relations calling you about something or other and you're like, Oh fuck. What, <laughs> what happened? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly. God, man, that's a whole level of uh, new stuff that I don't ever want to entertain. That's for sure. I didn't really either, uh, but uh, here I am. <laughs> here we are. <laughs> so, what was your ultimate decision about getting into this whole uh, management? I guess you could say it's management position. What, what was like your your drive for that? Um, you know, uh, a uh, former FMO of mine a long time ago told me when I was asking him if he was going to apply for you know the the district FMO, uh, in North ops. And he was, he was like, you got to promote for the boys. We do it to make things better for the guys underneath us. And also to create that, create that hole for them to move into. And so that, that, that honestly has stuck with me for a long time. Uh, because it's not made me think about, you know, it's, I'm not just doing this for myself. Yeah. I love this. I, I want to do my, make myself better, but it's also, if I can get up there, maybe I can make some sort of difference and get something better for my guys down below. Yeah, you have that the some oppor- more something more for on the guys on the ground. Yeah, you have the opportunity to actually make that change exactly. where it matters. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Because we all, but you and I, anyways. we yeah, well, you and I both know that change really starts from the bottom and works its way up. Yeah, for sure. No, I uh, I work on I work with the uh, the Region Eight's fire equipment and fleet also with uh, their fire stuff and yeah, you can definitely tell where everything starts is like something happens on the ground or the guys see, Oh, Hey, this works a lot better and it gets pushed and goes to those committees. And then, Oh yeah, briefing papers are written. And then, Oh, this is a great idea. And moves from there. Huh. Nice man. No, I didn't know that's kind of how that works. I mean, what, what is that whole game like though? You said the, uh, you're in the, like, kind of making the tools to change like equipment and dozers or operations or all of the above. Like what do you, is that all, what you're on? Lot, mostly, mostly deals with the equipment, but we kind of do dabble in the operational side. Um, for example, like this last season, we got the okay to go back and use in our UTV torches. Um, they had been banned in the South for since I think about for 15 years or so. Um, with, uh, with the helicopter crash on the Sam Houston last year, they started taking a big look at, you know, transfer of risk. Are we actually doing anything better by putting, you know, doing so much, uh, PSD operations, or are we putting all that risk that we used to do with the UTVs and people walking through the woods on that pilot operator and firing boss now? So that, that came through and on our forest, we talked about a lot and, and decided that with the roads that we have the new equipment that's coming in, uh, we would decide we, we would try to not use the PSD and use the helicopter as little as possible. Um, my district, we, I think we had maybe two hours of helicopter time this whole season, this whole year so far. And we're at 34,000 acres burnt. Um, and I will say that's probably mostly because they let us have the, uh, the UTV torches back. So, and we, as on that committee, it's kind of, we worked on that a lot. And then when I came back to the forest, I got, was on, they worked with our, uh, the rest of the AFMOs and FMOs getting, you know, a policy lined out. How are we going to do this? What are we going to do? What's going to be our torch? Who's going to buy all this stuff? So it kind of 
started lurking, working with everything and just got it out there. Kind of like re really like readdressing what the, is the best tool for the job. Yeah, seriously. Uh, I mean, that and you know, coupled with uh, a lot of the fuels management, roller chopping, the big giant rollers behind the dozer, going through busting through the woods. Um, that hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm gonna stop you there. What the hell is a roller <laughs> chopper? Because I guarantee you, everybody over here does have have a damn clue what a roller chopper is. So it's a giant piece of equipment that it's like a big, not really a plow, but a big, oh, uh, big flat cylinder. Uh, think of a huge aerator that okay. you pull behind a tractor. Um, but with, instead of punjies sticking out to put holes in the ground, it's got blades huh. all across the back of it. The whole thing is, is a bla- is bunch of blades that roll. And as you roll through the forest, it just chops up the underbrush. You put, knock it down with the, those are in the front and that all chops it up behind you. So it makes a kind of a mash down. No, it's kind so of like a little a, bit better than just a mash line. It's like a nightmare fuel made uh, masticator almost. Basically. Yeah. And you can put water <laughs> in it to make it even heavier. Oh, Okay. <laughs> Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> that's kind of neat, actually. It's well, it's different tools of the job, man. We're not we're not used to seeing that kind of stuff, so we don't have a frame of reference to like really understand what that is. So it's kind of cool, oh, yeah, man. Yeah, like, like out west, you know, we used to do the chaining, especially yeah. in Nevada, and, and use the chain, the big ass ship chain. We talked about that down here, and the, the people are like, "What you did? What?" Or the or the uh, using the bowling ball stuff, like in California, the where flails. the freaking the flails, yeah drop it off the side of a mountain and just kind of drive where it bounces around on the giant chain on the, on that anchor. Yeah, no, that's, it's, it's cool, man. To see like, there's a bunch of different tools that not a lot of people know about. So hearing about just like one of them is pretty cool. Oh, yeah. man. Yes. And, uh, you get down here and you will learn how to cut line for miles with a weed eater and a backpack blower. That's another thing tool. So, so tools of the trade. Let's talk about that down there. It's totally different way of fighting fire. It's totally different tactics. You guys use a lot of dozers and you guys have a lot of different, like, I guess, terminology for what you guys use. So let's, let's dive into that since we're on that topic. Yeah. So yeah, like I already said, the, the weed eaters and the backpack blowers, that is our main mine construction tools down here. Um, use rakes once in a while, but not as much, man. You can, you put a, a backpack blower in the front, two eaters in the middle, and a backpack blower behind them. Dude, you can just at a walking pace to a fast walk, build line that fast. There's really? nothing stopping you. Yeah, I mean, especially in a lot of the leaf, a uh, little bit lighter. They're all in the coastal, anyways. You get into the hardwoods, you got to slow down a little bit. You think it's a little bit matted up and pretty thick. But yeah, dude, that, it, it's unreal how fast you can move with that. So, um, yeah, I jumped out on one of my first fires with my, with my rogo and I was like, all right, cool. I'm gonna go start pulling. And they started laughing at me, grabbed the backpack blower and the guys just took off. <laughs> They're looking at you like you're some sort of noob noob. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome, man. So what is like the fuel type down there? I mean, I knew I'm, I'm kind of familiar with, uh, Eastern Texas, Western Texas. Uh, I was down there in 2011 for bass drop and some staging assignments down there, the East Texas fires. Um, so where you're at, it sounds like there's a lot of hardwoods. Um, do you guys have piney woods too, or what do you yeah, guys got? No, we're a, we're a long leaf, uh, grass ecosystem type. So it's, we are like the, the, best longleaf uh, habitat in the entire country is right here on uh, on our forest and on my actually on my district um you look out it's like it's rolling hills of grass with longleaf over the top of it that's what that's the apex of what you want out, out there we have a number of units that are like that now mostly because the military is on a good part of our on one of our sides of the district and they burn because you know they catch it on fire all the time yeah so it gets it's burnt quite well and all, quite often so it looks like it's supposed to 
but uh yeah it's uh the, i mean it's mostly a lot of times it's southern rough uh, you got your one year two year three year four year rough uh which is you know that number of years is determines how many how long it's been since that was actually burnt so i mean like a three four year rough that's like a full-on southern rough you're thick you ain't getting through that shit it's thick you're not gonna walk through it you'll get tangled up uh the wait a minute vines uh it's like a little bitty vine that just crawls through everything you think oh yeah i'll bust through that those things are freaking like steel cables <laughs> you get hung up and especially if you're dragging a torch behind you you get hung up with a couple of those and all of a sudden your gas is getting a little warm you're like shit i gotta go <laughs> so it's kind of like the uh texas barbed wire almost just is oh, yeah. it thorny yeah. or is it no it's just like a thick it's like a little cable it's a little vine that just holds on to you huh. now there's not quite we don't thankfully we don't have as much of the briar right here um or the devil's walking stick uh, the giant briar that's about as thick around as your thumb with thorns on it about an inch long. It's kind of like a yeah, blackberry uh, stem on steroids. Yeah. Yes. With a hook on the end of it, that'll hook into you. <laughs> nope. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, uh, we don't have that thankfully, but yeah, we're, uh, and then the bottoms are uh, typically all hardwood with a little bit of pine mixture. Huh. So it's a, uh, it's a more of a, we're a, uh, we're on the coastal plain. So we have a, a little bit different. Gotcha. So now as far as like tactics goes, you said you, you cover the handline portion of it, which is kind of hard to wrap my head around because I'm used to like, you know, digging with a rogo, like you said. Yeah. But what about equipment? Like, what do you guys use for equipment? Because there's a, a equipment ranges, man. Stuff. Yeah. So um, my district, I have three dozers, uh, 550K John Deere's. Um, so we pretty much everything we do is either, it's either we try to road to road to contain and burn the whole thing off. Or if we actually are going direct, depending on, you know, if there's Willie right there, then we go to direct, try to get to cut it off. Or if we got near the military base, depending on what it is or where it is, sometimes we can't even use the dozer because of unexploded ordnance. Yeah. Oh yeah. UXO everywhere. Um, well, I'm right next to Fort Polk. So this has been a freaking army base since World War II, before World War II. Uh, on the on the other side, on the Evangelist side, we have, um, was it Fort Camp Claiborne? Camp Claiborne, which is the birthplace of the 101st and 82nd. So nice. over there, there's shit. Just every time we burned, you hear booms. Uh, a couple times we burnt and we've gotten a few booms where everyone stops because it, you could feel it in your chest. And you're like, I wonder what that was. And that then one you think was about close. It, like, I really don't want to know. <laughs> <laughs> God, that's sketchy, man. Oh yeah, yeah. Sorry, um, tangent, man. Uh, but yeah, Good dozers. Man. We use the shit out of the dozers everywhere we go. Um, it's pretty much put drop in. Uh, we we have the plows on ours, but we don't really use them quite often. Um, we will put it on if we get and start getting a high fire danger just because the pile you can shit and get with it, drop it in, start scraping and move on. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, we do a lot of just the blade line with, with the, on the front. Gotcha. So if we're going, then most of the time get that in, uh, either someone with a blower blowing the, blowing the rest of it off. If there is litter, a little bit of litter left over and then come behind it with UTVs and burn. Really? Oh yeah. Yeah. That's, the, uh, that is the UTV down here is where it's at. We have the, most of the, most everyone has type six engines down here. No heavies anywhere except for there's like one type four in the entire Southern region. Is that pretty much um, dedicated to like your wooey areas? Yeah, basically. Yeah. I think the type four is over in Savannah river with the uh, department of energy side over there. So they do, they have, they need a bit of a bigger engine. Gotcha. So now uh, I've heard this term thrown around when I was down in Texas and it's motor grader. Explain that grader. What the hell is a motor yes. grader? I have a I'm feeling I know what it is. It's called a maintainer. Oh, I've so heard that one big, too. The big, the, 
yeah, the big, that's the maintainer is a road grader. Uh, okay. it's a big old piece of equipment. You know, you'll see them out there in Nevada. Sometimes on BLM roads, probably never, ever seen one though. Uh, grading the road, putting the grade on there, putting the crown on the road. That's what they use a lot. Um, West use Texas uses fire. them a whole lot. Yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, you drop the blade on one of those things and you can haul butt, especially up in the North Texas uh, area and uh, Panhandle and far west in West Texas, as long as there's not much rock in the ground. Yeah. Those things skim and shit and get. Huh. That's another thing too, is like you guys, as far as like dozers go, you guys use smaller dozers. We kind of discussed that a little bit before we started yeah. rolling, but uh, yeah, like your, was it the D4s? I think they're pretty common. D4, D4s and D5s are pretty common. Uh, my forest, we run the John Deere 550s. Um, Florida runs a lot of the D6s, so they've kind of picked up into the D6Ns. Um, whenever mine get ready for replacement, I'm planning, hopefully, <laughs> knock on wood. I'll be able to, I'm going to bump them up to either a D six or a D five. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I, if I can, just because honestly, I mean, we don't, we don't do as much of the whole plowing between trees going in and out of stuff like they used to. Now yeah. it's a lot of just blade line and burn it. So you just basically go in a straight line, knock over whatever's in yeah. your way. It's not like you have like exactly. huge trees over there. It's not like you're going to find a ponderosa pine that has like a 36 yeah. inch DBH there. It's all small exactly. stuff. I mean, you tall. might, yeah. You might find one or two old, some old big ass long lease, you know, with a 30 inch DBH. Most of them are like eh, 25 or less, but yeah, you can push them over pretty fairly easily. Yeah. Well, the shallow roots too, right? That shallow roots. Yes. Yeah. It's a pretty, pretty on the ground on the top, but that's the thing. Those with those shallow roots, if those guys start pushing hard and that whole root wad comes up, you can actually flip it. Those are real easy. Ooh, that's sketchy. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, I've seen a few, few kind of start teetering. And that's another thing too, is like, you guys have a lot of, uh, uh, pulp paper plantations, right? Like all those trees were used for uh, like mills. There's, yeah, there's a lot of pulp plantations. Um, that's that like dog hair, thick, straight lines. Just you can't even see through it mm-hmm. planted. And uh, I mean, we have a couple units where we do some burns on those and those are always sketchy just because we don't want to get anything in there, get going because once it does, that's, it's just a lot. She <laughs> gone. Getting the dozers in. Yeah, exactly. It's gone. Uh, I mean, that the whole thing will stand up at once, and yeah, it's not a good sign. Not a good show. Yeah, but the <laughs> uh, the lumber mills would be pretty pissed for roaching off their uh, plantation too. It's it's uh not gonna lie, it's kind of expensive. <laughs> yeah, I I could imagine. <laughs> that's cool though, man. Uh, you guys get to burn a lot though. That's that's the cool thing is you guys have a very fire adapted ecology down there. So that's like the whole name of the game is like, let it burn, which I love. Yeah. No, they, uh, down here, they are so, the public is so used to smoking the air. It's just normal. Um, my first year down here, uh, my fuel stack and I were out going to go, uh, push hog around some, uh, RCW trees, the red cockaded woodpecker trees, which is a endangered species down here. Mm-hmm. Uh, we go around those before the burns happen so we don't burn the trees up. But yeah, we were going down there to go check some out. And all of a sudden we're like, this is black. Oh shit, this is burning over here. We didn't burn this. And it ended up being like a thousand acre fire that nobody had reported. Really? We talked to the uh yeah, we talked to the uh, gas station the uh, attendant that was down the road and they were like, Oh, we just thought y'all were burning. So we never called. We so, saw it, but it's been burning for like two days. <laughs> so no one reported this. Yeah. No one said no, a damn nobody thing. Nobody reported it. Yeah. Oh, that's so wild, man. Cause you, like you, I mean, you've worked over here for Hell, a hell of a long time, and you put smoke in the air like you get nine thousand oh, yeah. phone calls, man. Yeah, dude, we were burning up on Mount Charleston uh, and Lee Canyon and on, and on uh, the other side, but yeah, we freaking were just burning piles, little big freaking thing size of uh, you know, 
I'm not even a two by two, five by five sometimes. And people were throwing a fit about it because we were putting smoke in the air up there. Yeah. Just from pile burning. And that was like the first, you know, the first entrance of fire in several years. I mean, guarantee, granted, you know, they're probably, they're still a little iffy with the, after the carpenter fire and whatnot up there, but it's got to start somewhere. Huh. It's just, it, it kind of strikes me as odd though, because there's such a culture change between different parts of the country, man. Like, uh, my previous guest, uh, who works for Yosemite national parks, he was saying that like, as soon as you put smoke in the air, people get pissed, but they have one mm-hmm. of the largest, uh, prescribed fire programs in the national park service in the nation. So yeah. It's weird though, because like you down there, people are used to it and they're like, yeah, put fire on the ground. So it's like a different oh, message or a different perception. It's kind of cool to compare like your it's perspective. It's grown up with them. it around here. Like the, the agriculture burning down here, everyone burns. Like as soon as we actually start putting fire, our fire on the ground, you'll see three or four other columns coming up around us because they see, oh, forest service is burning. It must be a good day. Let's go burn our fields off. <laughs> or into with it. the, with the, yeah, with the timber programs, uh, site site prep burns after they come in clear cut us clear cut stuff. They'll come back in and burn it off, uh, get all rid of all the dead and down, all the brush and stuff that's on there, just to come back and replant it. God, so there's it's burning all the time. That's kind of cool though, man. It, it, well, that's another thing too that I wanted to point out too is like your situation down there, like the whole it, I guess the greater southern regions, they're completely vastly different from the West or even like the Northern divisions or Alaska or wherever else, man, you guys have your own little unique ecosystem, your own little unique way of operating. It's cool, man. It's different. I mean, what are some things that like stand out to you between East coast and the South or West coast or any other region compared to the South? Oh man, we already hit on it. Like the, the burning, that's just a, it's an everyday thing that on uh, the militia down here, militia. Uh, it's like almost Militia, yes. Almost every other person in my office is red carded. Really? We, we call up and say, "Hey, we're burning today." I have I have ologists out the yin yang coming up and be like, "Hey, uh, where do you need me? We're 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 good for the day." We've got wildlife techs, timber timber markers, and timber resource people just coming out and wanting to burn. I mean, hell, we have our freaking sometimes our deputy district ranger coming out and just you know grabbing a line for a while. So uh, yeah, militia is awesome. It's just all these, just the randoms that on the district that have their fire quals or just have the RXB, RXB qual, the, their uh, prescribed burning uh, person. And they just come out and have fun with us. That's cool, man. Cause usually, I mean, I mean, for a couple of districts that I worked with around here, it, well, not just here, but even like region <laughs> six, like your all just, they wouldn't, they, they wouldn't be caught dead oh, in the field, man. No. No. Yeah. That's, that's actually one of the other big things down here is like, it's still kind of the old forest service type. Um, I mean, I, I'm not just fire. I, I honestly, today I was working a rec project at one of our lake beaches, uh, helping rebuild a sidewalk. So oh, that's, cool. that's, uh, I mean this, if, uh, this weekend, I mean, the next couple of weekends I can be out cruising and, uh, doing landlines, marking, marking our boundaries, go out doing that. Or hell, I could freaking tomorrow go out with, uh, our timber crew and go cruise with them or go help Mark. Huh. See, that's so the thing it's too. A, it's a big time. Yeah. Everyone does everything. See, that's the thing too. I wonder if it's just a, I don't know if it's a culture difference or if it's just like a management difference, but I'm not saying that the ologists air quotes here 
around <laughs> the regions that I've worked in are uh, would be caught dead per se doing wildfire or prescribed fire. I just I wonder if it's just a different means of like operating. You know, you guys seem like yeah. jacks of all trades. We are more specific as far as this yes. the West Coast regions go. Yep. Yeah, no, the uh, I, I'd like to say the uh, the southern regions about ten to fifteen years behind as far as like moving into like the that specialized thing like it's moving that way now especially with fire um i mean hell they just they just opened up the the captain positions um this last the last couple of years so this is the first year this last fire hire is my first time my district and force has had a, an actual engine captain on it oh wow it's always been the engines were just run by uh, afeos the uh, assistant fire engine operators and that was as that was as high as they had Huh. And that's, I mean, you went from that to a fuel stack to AFMO. That was their, that was their, their ladder. That's wild, man. It seems like you're jumping a few steps there for this. I mean, comparatively speaking, of course. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, as the, as the, as the AFOs down here, you were, a lot of those guys are RXB2s. They were doing, they were running burns, doing all kinds of stuff. Yeah. That's such a weird thing too, though. Man. It's, it's like they have a shit ton of quals, but mm-hmm. They're classified, I'm doing air quotes again here, as yeah. an AFEO, which is wild because mm-hmm. you wouldn't see that around here. No. Yeah. No. I mean, I've, we've got uh, on some districts and uh, some other forests down in the south, they have like their timber guys are RXP2s. And a couple of forests that I know, they're like their timber guys are some of their best burn bosses, better than the, most of the, their fire guys. And they use them exclusively. Which is crazy too, because like, I mean, an RXB two is a serious position. It's not an, R- yes. an RXB three is kind of like, oh, okay, you can burn piles. Cool. That's a firefighter yeah. one. But an RXB two, like there's a lot of responsibility that goes in behind that. Because if you lose a burn, oh, oh yeah. buddy. A, yeah. I mean, it's as soon as you put that fire on the ground, your name is on that. Mm-hmm. That's, that is your fire, your smoke, your everything. So, I mean, it's a, it's a big, huge responsibility. Oh yeah. Um, that's why we do, we go. Uh, the burn plans are extensive. The the prescription taking the right burn day versus a prescription day. It might be low end or high end on the prescription, but it's a better burn day than certain days. So it just all depending on what you do, what you, where you're going with it. Um, but yeah, it's a huge, huge responsibility that, and you know, out West, you know, use the aerial aerial missions. That's almost automatically a type one burn Oh yeah, down here. That's a, that's an everyday. My freaking my operators can run that burn. My uh, fuel stack can do that just with a heartbeat. I mean, hell, he's the guy in the in the helicopter most of the time is the firing boss running oh, wow. the show up there. That's pretty wild, man. So, yeah, it's it's completely different. It's with the that's another that's I guess yeah. There you go. There's another huge thing that's different about down here. The uh, the complexities is a little little bit different. A little bit not. I'm not gonna say laxed, but they make up for it with our mitigation mitigating factors of local knowledge. Because a lot of these guys have been on the district for 10, 15 years, 20 years. I mean, I've got one of my dozer operators. So he's been here since he was 18. Oh, wow. And he's in it almost almost 40 years old now. And he's been on here as a dozer operator or firefighter since then. Oh, that's wild, man. But that, that's another thing, too. It's like you guys are highly qualified. And that, that's what I hate sometimes about the perceptions about other areas, other regions. When they look at other regions, it's like, no, these guys, they're, they're and girls, these guys and girls are qualified to run oh, yeah. all of this stuff. Yeah, their official title might be an AFEO or a, a, a prescribed fire tech or whatever. But in the truth and reality of, is they have 15, 20 years of experience and they're RXB2 yep. qualified. I mean, 
When you compare, yeah. I'm going to go out on a limb here. I mean, I know it's completely different worlds, but when you compare an RXB2 to something else, I, the only thing I can really think of is probably like a, a medium complexity type three IC. Yeah. I mean, some of the, a lot of our, actually a lot of our uh, burns get, get that complex, especially if we're doing multi, uh, like a lot of times I'll burn on in my uh, Western part of the district with, we share Fort Polk. Um, so we'll be burning with DOD in coordination with them, um, pretty much passing off the torch once we hit the red line or uh, the line between us and they continue on or we continue with them and drop it around. I mean, you're talking like three, 4,000 acre burns in one day. That's wild. That sounds like fun though, yeah. ah, man. Oh, it's, I'm kind it's of envious. Way fun. <laughs> it's way fun, man. I mean, we've done, we'll do the, uh, the staggered burn where we drop people off every you know quarter mile and on a, a black line or something and on the signal go everyone starts burning until you run into black and then utv comes to pick you up and brings you to the next spot oh wow um we've done thousands of acres within out a couple hours that's wild man it, well it sounds kind of cowboy too which is cool because i mean not cowboy in the fact that it's like dangerous or anything like that but it seems like you guys have a lot more leeway to do what makes sense if that makes yes, any sense there is there is a lot more freedom down here i will say that that's another huge thing about down here. It's I have a ton of freedom. It's I'm not stuck, you know, at the station. You're just going to sit here for your eight hours and that's it. No, uh, no. Miss me yeah. with the desk jockey stuff. Exactly. No, dude, it's I'm like I said, I could be out cruising timber or I could be marking with them or running on a good wildfire or getting ready for next prep, next burn or working with my apprentices. There we it's, go. It's always it's a, it's literally changes every day that's a cool thing too about uh well that's one thing i've always noticed about you and you're very passionate about fire right so let's go into that topic let's let's talk about being passionate in your job and that's gonna that's gonna get you places for sure dude it's as cliche as it sounds this is honestly the best job you can have uh fire is amazing it's fun to watch i mean it's even on your shittiest day on a fire you know you're out and you're out and outside of elko mopping up on a you know, 20, 30,000 acre grass fire, zero grass shade. Fire. Day, yeah, zero shade day three, the team's there and you're like, they don't want to release you because there might be something else coming up or another lightning, lightning storm coming, but you're out there mopping up black dirt. And all of a sudden the freaking <laughs> helicopter, you're like, you're, you're done. You're tired of shit. And you're like, fuck this. But then all of a sudden the helicopter flies over you and like, Oh, it's kind of cool. Or, you know, a freaking three or four seats fly over and go into the next IA. It's just that it's just always something cool that you can watch or see or do. Oh yeah. Well, that's the thing too, man. It's like a lot of people bitch and complain about like what's going on with the forest service or the BLM or whatever, insert random agency here. But you know what? The truth of the matter is, man, it's like this job kicks ass no matter how, how you cut it. It's not without its problems, of course, but it, it takes, of course. Yeah. Like on my previous episode that I was talking with, um, uh, the gentleman from Yosemite national park, uh, yeah, Russell, he, he was saying that like, yeah, it's not without its problems, but you know, in reality, if you go to a different department or like go be a pavement princess or whatever, <laughs> I know I'm going to yeah. catch, I'm going to catch flack for that comment. Watch. It's, it's different. It's all, right. it's, it's all going to have its problems, man. Nothing's perfect. Yeah, No, it does. It does. And that's, you know, I've, I've left districts or places because of those problems. And when I was younger and just, you know, all of a sudden you, you think, oh yeah, it's going to be great. The new place. 
and it might be the same problem he had, but it's a, it's a different set of problems. It's Something just else wrapped is a different. different. That's all. It's re- exactly wrapped up differently and put a different kind of bow on it. But yeah, dude, we have, we have our own problems down here. I mean, we've got that, like the, we got the perception coming, going West from the South. Exactly. Uh, I go out, go back West of the division. People kind of look at you funky and you're like, you're from Louisiana. What do you know about fires in the mountains? <laughs> well, actually, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Started no, I'm, I'm, I'm not gonna lie. I was, I was guilty as hell of that out west when I was working out there. You know, I'd get somebody a task force or dozer boss from the south and be like, "Okay, what can you do?" And give them a week or a couple of days to see what's going on, and you know, move work with it. But it was, I, I'll, I'll admit it, I was part of that bias for a while there. I, I, even, I mean, I started down in the South and then moved back West and then came back. So yeah. it's like I had a firsthand knowledge of what goes on down here, but still you kind of fall into that. Well, it's an easy trap to fall into, man. And like, I, I was totally in your same, same shoes there. Uh, a couple of years ago when I was doing some helicopter manager stuff, uh, I met these folks from, uh, what is it? Connecticut. I'm like, these guys yeah. and these, these, these folks are coming out here to detail on the, on the helicopter. I'm managing it or doing the trainee thing. And I'm like, what the hell do these guys know about fighting fire in Nevada? They're from Connecticut. Come to find out that was the most like ignorant perception that I could ever have because these guys and girls were coming out here during their slow season. So they fight fire Mm -hmm. all spring. They come out West and they have like an 18 month or 18 pay period fire season where they're just shit and getting the entire year. So arguably they have more experience fighting fire than me. I felt like such an asshole. (laughs) That year, two years I worked for the state of Texas. I think I hit 150 to 200 IAs in just those couple years. Oh, wow. And, and it wasn't like, you know, single tree IAs. We're talking, you know, hundreds of acres to Deaton coal fire, 360 some odd thousand acres outside of Del Rio, mm-hmm. those types, all just in all, all sorts in between. And I mean, you're dealing with volunteer fire departments, you're dealing with city departments, you're dealing with other agency. I mean, you want to talk about getting a lesson and working with other people, talking to other people getting everyone on the same page, go work for a, some small state agency somewhere or work for work with a volunteer department, man, you will, your eyes will be opened on what it takes to actually get everyone on the same page. Well, that brings up a good point though, man. Don't ever discount like someone else's experience, man, no matter where they're from. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I have, I've got, I've had it happen where like when I first came back from the state stuff and they're like, Oh, you worked for TFS, huh? Yes, but <laughs> mm-hmm. like when I was up in region six, it was like, Oh, ODF, huh? Or Hey, yeah. Or even down around here is like, Oh, it's Cal fire. And you know what? Don't, don't do that. I, I, anybody who's listening out there right now, don't do that shit. Don't fall into that trap because you don't know what's going on with them. Their agency has a completely different mission, a completely different yep. everything from whatever agency that you're on. So work with them. Don't be a dick to them. Yeah. You might, might learn something new. I mean, that's the fun part about every day. Something new. Oh yeah, man. So speaking of learning something new, man, fire, fire being a small world. Let's talk about that. Oh yeah. Very small. I mean, that's honestly how I got down here. Um, so like I said, I was, when I was in Nevada, um, Eric Stewart was a captain over in Don Carson over there. Uh, Joe was actually his operator 
And Eric, we found, figured out that we were both from the same area in Texas, uh, just, you know, 10, 15 years apart because he's an old fart. Um, <laughs> but not, not really. That would be ageist. I'm sorry. Um, but <laughs> I'm sure he's laughing. There, there's an, there's an ag learn for that. I've been told. Oh, there's an uh, ag learn for everything, man. Exactly. Uh, but yeah, I mean, we ran into each other and started talking and then ran into each other again on the strawberry fire. And he got the AFMO down here and was like, Hey, you want to come play? Like, yeah, I'd love to come work on my RXP too. So, I mean, it's, it's so freaking tiny. Oh yeah, man. It's like that three degree or was it eight degrees of separation or six degrees mm-hmm. of separation in fire? It's probably two. Like, we, oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I know you through Ely. We know Joe. We oh, know yeah. all these other people, but that's a, that's a beauty of networking, man. And I, I try and tell that people like really hold on to the relationships in fire because you don't yes. know where they're going to be or where you're going to be. You could end up yes. working for them or them working for you 10 years later. Oh yeah. Now, I've, I have, since I've got down here, I've learned networking is huge. I was always that, you know, I'd go to trainings and I'd be like, okay, this is my time for a small vacation. Not really because I was at training, but okay, I'm gonna go to my training and I'm going to my freaking room. I'm going to drink a beer and relax in the air conditioner for a while. That was what I used to do until, you know, started learning. Oh, Hey, I probably should go talk to these people because I might want to job work with them someday, or might want to get a job with this forest over here. And I might have an in if I start, you know, talking. Or vice versa. Or vice versa, exactly. Or I might find someone I want to poach. I mean, being in management now, that's actually three quarters of what I do when I go when I go teach a class or something is I'm, I'm looking for guys to poach. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of recruitment. Exactly. You got to do it. No one's going to do it for you. You got to do it yourself. That's the truth, man. But that's like, that's one thing too, is like the, the value of the apprenticeship program, which you are heavily invested in as well. So let's talk about yes. that, man. Networking straight into the apprenticeship. I think the real value of the apprenticeship is networking, but it's it way is, beyond it's that. Of course, there's so much more to that. Yeah, dude. So I'm, I'm just going to preface this. Uh, if you want to become an apprentice, I suggest coming to the South We're PFTs down here. All apprentices are PFTs down here. So if you want a full-time, full-year-round job and get overtime during the winter, and then I kick you loose during the summer to go fight fire out west or place you on certain crews, this is where you want to be. Small See, like, there, sorry. No, no, no. Keep going, man. <laughs> I, I love the apprenticeship program. I had some of the best times ever, man. Dude, I, I didn't know anything about the apprenticeship program being from BLM. I mean, we had one, I think, when I was up in uh, NorCal and didn't really know what that was. Uh, you know, fast forward to getting into forest service and like, here you go. You can be an apprentice. Like, what the hell is that? Kind of wishing I'd known about it, you know, from when I was 18. Would have been awesome. But, I mean, those guys are afforded so much training. Pretty much with my guys, if they find a training that's worthwhile, I'll pay for it. They go. As long as it doesn't conflict with, you know, our major burning, that's burning times or, you know, their, their summer details. But yeah, it's so much opportunity for them. The amount of networking they get to do. Like I've got one of my guys heading to Big Hill uh, in El Dorado, on the El Dorado right now. He's going to be, there, be there on Monday. Yeah, Big Hill Hell Attack. Um, I've had uh, one of my guys was there last year and we kind of formed a relationship with them. So, I'm, you know, we're kicking guys through there every, whenever I got new apprentices. So these guys are talking and finding people and learning about where they want to go maybe or what they want to do, seeing all kinds of different things. Plus, once they're done, they come back down here. We start our prep work in September, October and go straight into burning. See, that's the business, man. It sounds like you get a lot more out of it. 
like well it just i guess it's all regional dependent depends on what you want to do but if you want to work around and do hood rat shit during the winter and the summer yeah look into the south yeah seriously uh i mean i'm not gonna lie i miss my layoff (laughs) i miss my layoff every once in a while uh that first year i didn't have an actual layoff and work this will actually this year was my first year i've never had a layoff game with the last year would have been but we had the government shut down so it was like normal all of january i'm off oh cool but uh this year has been my first year and i was thinking i was like this is kind of cool i don't i don't have to worry i'm not worrying about anything you know like that normal dread of september october hey we got money no we don't have money oh yeah we got money for two weeks you can want to stay on that's two weeks in uh 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 we might lay you off tomorrow here we go. <laughs> and it's exactly. All like, oh, wait, Rec has money. Go clean a shitter for a while. <laughs> That's another important thing, too, is, uh, you know, you got to take opportunities with this career. And especially for the young people or the, the up and comers or the people just stepping their foot into the fire game. You got to move around. You got to take opportunities. Don't be afraid to move around. I know that everybody's circumstance is different. You might have kids. You might be rooted with your parents or whatever. But if you take an opportunity or if you have an opportunity to take, by all means, take it, man. And that's where that led you right here. I mean, you're a prime example Um, of it. Dude, if I, if I could have done things differently in my career, I would have taken that advice very soon. Um, my early career, I thought I wanted, you know, I had family ranches in Texas. I thought, you know, I want to do this, but I also want a ranch. I want to stay on the ranch and help my parents. Yeah. It kind of, you got to, I didn't, I didn't move, didn't do very much. I didn't make much. I didn't do much in my quals or anything. Um, and honestly didn't help my career at all. Um, finally my dad was like, I'm going to kick your ass if you don't leave. He, just, <laughs> he, just, he knew what was going to happen. Instead of the carrot, he chose the stick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I dropped out and started jumping, running around other places and jumping from different engines to different places. And you learn a lot. That's the other thing is going to different regions. You'll see a whole different fuel type, a totally way different way of fighting fire, um, working with other people. It's just working with different, different, uh, personality types. I mean, it's huge working with like, you can go to SoCal working with that personality type compared to NorCal stuff all the way to, you know, then you go to Florida. <laughs> <laughs> totally different. Totally different. So yeah, it's just learning and working with people and moving around. Uh, the moving around part, I think, is, is fun for me. I I love going somewhere new and getting to almost you almost reinvent yourself is almost. But you put out there what you can do and bring what you learn something, bring something from what they can do back to yourself. See or or you see like, okay, that's really stupid. I'm never going to do that. Well, there's a so, lot to be learned from a bad leader. Exactly. Yes, there is. You can definitely, definitely learn what you don't want to do. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, speaking of leadership, I mean, what, in in your opinion, what what do you think makes a good leader? It's uh, listening, listening, and learning your guys how they how they operate and uh, how they can operate and what they are willing to do. That and uh, not being afraid to being out there with them. Not doing the uh, the you know the old stereotype of a of a captain. Never see them until there's an, until the three bells ring over the radio gosh oh that's a ter- not, that's not, terrible not being that guy <laughs> nah, no yeah you can but i mean there's there's something to be said about you know not being above any job like oh yeah dude i i you can don't turn down anything uh i mean they're they're in pony and neely uh they'd be offering out stuff to do okay oh hey we're gonna go pull miles of fence out awesome let's go yeah or freaking you're gonna oh we got money for the winter you want to stay on 
Oh, but it's also building 20 miles of fence at Loggy's Pass, one of the freaking <laughs> coldest places ever. But ever all winter long. <laughs> yeah, cool. Let's do it. <laughs> or the Pinto one, two, five, nine, whatever Pinto fire fencing oh, project. Yes. Yeah. It's endless, man. But you know, that's the thing. Yes. Right? You got to take those opportunities. Like you were saying earlier. Yeah. Yeah. That, and you do in those opportunities, you know, the shit jobs, your management, your peers, they'll see that and they'll know, Hey, there you're worth the shit. You're going to work your ass off. Um, maybe you'll get more responsibility, get put up. Uh, it definitely, people take notice. Oh yeah. Man. When you start, when you put yourself out there. Oh yeah, man. I'm not afraid to scrub shitters. You know, if that keeps me employed, but <laughs> also I'm not going to tell yeah. anybody to do something or ask anybody. I'm not going to tell somebody yeah. to do something. I'm going to ask somebody to, I'm not going to ever ask yeah. somebody to do something I'm not willing to do myself. Oh, for sure. Dude. Yeah. I've, I spent winter shipping frozen piss off the ground at up in the, on Mount Charles and <laughs> just to stay on for a little bit longer. Oh no, man. So if there was anything that you, if you like, all right. So if you could time travel though, since we're on this, this subject here, so if you could time travel, travel back in time and tell your younger self, any, anything like any words of advice for the fire career, what would you tell them? Oh man. Yeah. The, the whole thing we'll be talking about, don't turn anything down. Don't, don't look at any place like, Oh fuck that. I don't want to go there. Might be somewhere you go eventually and find it's pretty cool. Um, yeah. Don't turn down any opportunity. That's the big one. Follow any opportunity that you think might be fun. Amen, brother. So now we're getting towards the end of the episode. Um, how do you keep, or what is it? Um, where, where, where was I at here? Oh yeah. So details, uh, let's go over details about hiring and stuff. Are you guys happen to be hiring or anything like that? Or you, I know you're flying details yes, here soon. We've, yeah, we've actually got, uh, I guess this is the second, third, third round of fire hire. It's a direct hire authority. So it's a little bit different. Um, it actually will be closing May 11th. Um, I actually have, I have two apprentice positions that are open and one of my AFEOs is open. Okay. So anybody out there, you know, take a look at USA jobs. There you go. There's that opportunity. Then <laughs> uh, honestly, I think there's about 200 some odd jobs in the South that are open right now in fire. And most of them all are all PFT positions. No shit, huh? Yeah, there is a ton. I mean, uh, with the advent of the bringing in the, the engine captains, so every type six engine on, in every district is has to go full staffing. So you got to have that captain, the, the FEO, and the, a senior and apprentice. So that's, you know, you're adding a, one to two positions almost every, every engine. Because a lot of times they only had the single AFEO running the whole thing. Okay. And now all those jobs, are they going to be uh, on USA jobs or? Yes, they're all on be... USA jobs and the outreaches are out there. I'll, I'll definitely, I'll shoot you the outreach. I think uh hotshot brewery just put it out the other day, the, the one, a couple of them. So man, they are out there. There's, there's a ton of positions open right now. There we go. And there's your chance to move up, man. I mean, that's another thing too, is like, it might afford you another opportunity. Like what are some unique opportunities that have been afforded to you for going down to the South? Um, uh, so getting to work with the drone program, uh, doing all the burning we do, getting to work with them, getting to see some pretty cool stuff with, with, with how they operate and the kind of burning we can do with them. Uh, move, like I said, moving away from the helicopter use to starting using the drones. Um, and honestly down here. So like, you know, like out West, you might meet your actual FMO, the forest FMO or district FMO once or twice, see them once in a while. Never see them at your station, but you might see them out and about once in a while. Never see your forest soup, if unless you're right there at that office, the district office or uh, the SO. Dude, I've I've had one-on-one conversations with our regional forester. Oh wow! Um, 
conversations with our our AD, our operations, uh, regional operations, and his ads, um, just kind of common. It's it's a total different world of the the hospitality is unreal. Like yeah, they will come up and shake your hand, find out all about you, and then next time they see you at a meeting or something, they'll still know who you are. See, that's cool, man. It seems like it's very uh, tight knit down there. It is. It's a huge sign. They always talk about down here with the fan is a, it's a family and it, it really is like we had a tornado come through a couple of weeks ago and actually hit well, a couple of people's houses on the forest. And everyone took, took annual leave off and got chainsaws, their tractors and trailers and went over there and spent two or three days cutting trees out, cutting people out. That's just cool, man. And they just kind of rallied around the community and helped them out. Exactly. Yeah, that and uh, the rally around the community with those people and then their neighbors helped started cutting them out. Just kind of the whole neighborhood started just doing what they could. Dude, there's something to be said about Southern hospitality, though. There's nothing like oh, it. Oh, there is. No, there's, there isn't. I mean, just the friendliness is, is unreal. It's pretty cool. That and the food kicks ass, too. <laughs> the food is quite amazing. I mean, there's places here. I, I would say the uh, the gas station hot, uh, hot uh, stoves are probably better food than most restaurants and these things called boudin balls what the hell is you've that? never had one. Oh my god so you've heard of boudin you know the the cajun sausage with rice and everything yeah they, they take all that stuff they batter it and fry it into a ball oh god that's a lot of delicious a lot of people have put cheese in the middle of it and it is just a heart attack when you happen man it is so good you said you're hiring right exactly <laughs> <laughs> no that's cool man but it's, that's that's another thing too there's something to be said about southern hospitality man i remember on the bass drop fire like we we're cruising through i mean this this community was just devastated right and i'm yeah. pretty young in fire so i don't know shit i still don't know shit i mean yeah i, I have very limited experience I'm, I'm right there with you <laughs> exactly right i mean that's the thing you know it's like we're cruising through these neighborhoods and like putting out hot spots and like kind of doing a, a little bit of assessment for the division and uh, these these folks, they come out and they like stop, wave us down and we think something's wrong, you know? We're like, oh shit, what's going on, right? I hope it's not like a medical or anything like that. And it turns out that they're like, their kids were fast behind them coming out of these out of their driveway and they had a cooler full of beer, water, and the wife had a plate, like an arm wrapped around with cheeseburgers on paper plates with macaroni salad. I'm like, Oh yeah. These people have just lost everything yet. They're trying to Mm -hmm. feed us. They're like trying to get everything. And it's like, there's something to be said about a community like that, man. That's, that's crazy. Like, of course we didn't take it or anything like that. We're like, no, (laughs) we're good. We're okay. We got MREs and stuff. You know, we got, we got lunches, we got fire lunches. Oh yeah. But the hospitality is awesome. Um, I think in 2007, I did a fire in far west Texas and, uh, the rancher, you know, they lost a couple goats or, and they were working goats that morning and one of them messed up. And so they slaughtered it that day. Next thing you know, he's him and his wife and their, their hands and families are coming out bringing coolers full of cabrito and fresh pinto beans and fresh hot tortillas to the fire line and like, and got offended when we said, well, no, we're, we're good. We've, we've got food. Oh yeah. And you wouldn't let you leave until you ate something. It's crazy though, man. They, these, that's the thing though, is like the sense of community though, they could lose everything yet. They still want to help somebody. Yep. Very still selfless. Give man. a shirt off their back just because they can. Oh yeah. That's crazy, man. But that's another thing too, is like uh special assignments. I mean, you guys are kind of in tornado uh, tail end. You guys get tornadoes, tornado alley kind yes. of we business. Get tornadoes. We get, we get, the, hurricanes. We get the hurricanes. 
Um, honestly, I just actually, the, this whole COVID-19 thing, I just came off as the, the IC3 trainee for our forest. Oh, really? So I spent the last 30 days dealing with uh, the information sharing, uh, pre-plans, what's the what ifs, working with the what ifs and working with the region, regional IMT team that they stood up for the whole coronavirus. You guys so, working yeah, directly these, for FEMA or? No, we weren't with working for FEMA. They didn't go that far, um, but it was a the, the what if, if if it did actually progress into what they were worried it was going to progress into, uh, how we were going to handle that. I mean, uh, most of my, my force has been on stay at home orders for the last month. I think we were actually on stay at home orders till the 15th. Oh, wow. So, uh, yeah, we shut down prescribed burning. Everything has been shut down for the last several, last month or so. Uh, we just got back. So the guys will start, we'll start burning probably hopefully tomorrow or the next day. And so we got that all back now. But yeah, yeah the special assignments are fun. Uh, it's different. You, you think you're going out as a task force or division or you're <laughs> the whole crew's going out for something and all of a sudden you're at a pod, which is a, uh, a supply depot, basically MREs and, uh, ice and water. And you're handing, excuse me, you're handing that out to people and you're just, you're just, help, you're literally just helping. That's crazy, man. So you guys get, well, that's another thing too, is like, you guys are no strangers to disasters, hurricanes, tornadoes. Yeah. I mean, COVID's kind of its own special thing, but you guys, <laughs> you guys definitely have seen your fair share of stuff. I mean, you had Katrina, I mean, even random stuff like, uh, Columbia. I mean, I don't know if you were Columbia. On yeah, I was, yeah, I was, that was a little too young for that one, but yeah, that's, they, they, they spent, they sent people all over the place to go grid yeah. East Texas and, uh, Western Louisiana just for, plane part uh or shuttle parts so it's it's they they get run the gamut of everything i mean uh they sent imts up to for 9-11 uh to help out with that the fat stuff uh i think augusta shots were sent up there the, their first year when they formed oh wow that's wild man so that's another thing too that's like the opportunity thing you know and it's like a different culture it's a different experience and you get to do a lot more that sounds mm -hmm. sounds like a good opportunity to take man it is. It's a, it's a different, it's a good opportunity. It's a lot of, like I said, I'll keep saying it. It's a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, as a, the joke, the South, it's not that bad. <laughs> it's not that bad. <laughs> Jeez. I think it's a great place. Honestly. No, it's fun. I, I also, I'll say it, it's fun down here. I've had a great time. I have zero regrets with my, with the giant move and a little bit of a career shift, um, coming down here. It's, it's definitely afforded me a lot of opportunities and has helped my career. I will say that. There we go, man. Well, hell yeah, dude. So if, uh, like the folks that have questions, man, where can we get a hold of you? Um, yeah, honestly, my, my gov email is one of the best places that, or Instagram is about the only social I'm on anymore. Uh, I think I'm firebug. I can't even remember what my name is on there anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it's firebug. Yeah. It's underscore yeah. or yeah, I don't know. That's what it is. Yeah. Me. Underscore firebug underscore, I believe. Yeah. That's the one right there. So you guys can find him there on Instagram though. And then, uh, I'll definitely put the uh, link to his email, uh, in the show, in the show notes here. So, but other than yes. that, man, thank you for being on the show. But at the uh, end of the show, tail end here, I always love to give a uh, opportunity for you to give out a shout out to a homie, a hero mentor, who do you got for us, man? Uh, well, I got a shout out to my uh, my former crew on uh, on the HD, the Cowboys of four four five one. You know, AJ Gagardo, who's now a you know runs runs Pavement Queens and all over Vegas, and Joel Presmic. You guys, hope y'all having fun out there. Um, as far as mentors, uh, 
Chris Rue. Uh, I've worked for him for a couple of years. That dude taught me so much about leadership, about how to how to be a firefighter, how to how to do this job. So, yeah, yeah hope man. he's doing well sitting there in Reno. <laughs> it's uh, it's it's uh, it's getting warm finally. That's 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 always a good thing. <laughs> warm. I think it's been mid nineties and ninety percent humidity God, the last man. few days down here. God, I'm the, not ready for it. The humidity down there, though, that's the one thing I'll never ever be able to get used to. Yeah, just get used to being wet all the time. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like you stepped out of the shower and didn't dry off perpetually. Yes, yes. It's, it's better than the you know the blast oven in Vegas. I'll, I'll, I think, anyways. Or Phoenix. Yeah, the truck, and you're just oh. like, oh god. Oh. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh. And then fighting fire on top of that with the heat. <laughs> it's like, yeah, nope, exactly. this sucks. Yeah. <laughs> can't oh, drink man. enough water. No, you can't. Well, Saltemeyer, dude, it's been a pleasure to have you on the show. And thank you so much. And uh, look forward to having you again, man. I appreciate it. Thank you for letting me come on and uh, say a few words, buddy. Yeah, dude, anytime, man. We'll catch you on the next one. Sounds good. Have a good one, buddy. Later. All right, ladies and gentlemen, there you go. Another episode of the Anchor Point Podcast is in the books with Brandon Saltemeyer. Brandon, dude, thank you so much for coming on the show, man. I definitely appreciate seeing your journey from the South to the Wild West and back to the South. It's pretty cool, man. I'm glad you're stoked and happy where you're at. And I'm stoked that you got that AFMO job that you're you're trying to apply for there happy for you, man. Anyways, we talked about a lot on the show today. We talked about the apprenticeship uh, program down south, how that's wildly different than here in Sacramento or out west in Sacramento. Uh, We talked about fire adapted communities and uh, the amount of prescribed fire that you guys do down there. It is wildly different from out here out out west. We talked about uh, southern hospitality and how the communities down there are genuinely different and super cool, man. I love the people down there in Texas and all around the south. It's definitely cool. But yeah, it's uh, definitely a different perspective. Uh, things are wildly different down in the South. And uh, if you guys need a uh, change of pace, well, uh, there's going to be some announcements out there. And uh, now's your time to apply. So look in the show notes and we'll have some information in there as uh, as far as some links to hiring. And uh, yeah, best of luck to you guys. Hope everybody's doing well. Uh, yeah, COVID seems like it's kind of disappearing kind of, but we'll see what happens. So fire season is not going to stop for a virus and fire season is here. So I hope you guys are ready. Hope you guys are tuned up and ready to go. Anyways, guys, hope everybody's doing well. Take care.